If you would put up 3 John, please, guys, on the screen, 3 John 2 on the screen. Um, we're still, I'm still on the series on God's will is success. And uh, just like we prayed just now, I'm believing for revelation. Not just for myself, but for you and for everybody online, everybody that'll watch, listen to this later. Because it is necessary. Revelation. The, uh, the scripture says, Paul said to saints at Corinth, he said, uh, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. But one of his biggest device or devices is deception. And the thing about deception is if you knew you were deceived, you wouldn't be. <laughs> does that, that make sense? See, what does deception mean? It means you think something's right. You think something's true. You believe it. But you're wrong. But you think you're right. <laughs> You don't have to raise your hand or anything, but have you ever been deceived? Yes. I know you have. <laughs> so what's one of the enemy's main ways he operates, one of his big devices? It's deception. So how do you get free from deception? Revelation. You will know the truth. Hallelujah. And the truth will make you free from being Ignorant of it, from being in blindness, from being confused, from being deceived. So, uh, say it out loud, Lord, I ask you, open my eyes, enlighten my heart and my mind to see what is deception and what is truth. What is the enemy and what is you. Amen. Praise God. And uh, you don't want to assume I'm there. I'm completely enlightened where I sit today and I'm not thinking wrong or believing wrong about anything. That's wishful thinking. Because we know in part. You'll see what I'm talking about in just, just a moment clearer. And 3 John 2, if you haven't been with us uh, I've already covered, uh, the Lord's helped us to cover several things along this line. You can get the previous messages online, won't cost you anything. Catch up with us. But our text here says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Is it God's will? Is it His desire that we prosper? And that we be in health. Yes. As our inner man and as our soul prospers. Absolutely. In uh, Psalm 35 verse 27. Psalm 35 27. It said let them shout for joy and be glad. That favor my righteous cause. Yea let them say continually. Let the Lord be magnified. Which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Now to hear many, even preachers, preach today, you would think that said God has pleasure in the poverty of his servant. But it doesn't say that. And this is not an isolated verse. Are you his servant? I know you're his child, but you should also serve him right out of love. You be a servant too. Does he take pleasure in your prosperity? If he didn't, he'd be out of step and in disagreement with every good father and mother we know. I mean, uh, how many of you have children, grandchildren? Let me see. How many of you with children and grandchildren, it would bless you for your child to be broke? And get kicked out of their place where they're living. 
get their stuff repossessed, not have enough to eat? Would, would you go, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. They'll learn some good things now. No. Would it bless you for them to be multimillionaires, <laughs> living good, doing good, successful? Would it make you mad? No. You sure? <laughs> you see them living in a big house, driving a new car, nice clothes and plenty of money, and you'd say, that just makes me sick. <laughs> Would you say that? No. Well, I, you're, you're pretty unanimous in your agreement about this, but people right and left try to tell us that our Father is not that way. That actually anything that's expensive or nice irritates him, bothers him for us to have it. And really, if you want to go all out committed to God, you basically need to take a vow of poverty, especially if you're a minister. You really should. That's another way of saying God takes pleasure in the poverty of his servant. Does he or not? Now in this world you got two sources for what you believe. You got what God said and everything else. <laughs> Come on, there's only one solid rock, sure foundation to build your beliefs and your life on, and it is it is written. Thus saith the Lord. Come on, are y'all with me or not? Don't get messed up by everybody's goofy ideas. And don't let an unbeliever tell you what Jesus thinks. Huh? A non-Christian tell you how Christians ought to live? What do they know about it? <laughs> well, enough on that. <laughs> Is it God's will? Does he take pleasure in our prosperity? Listen to Psalm 112. Verse 1, Psalm 112, 1 said, Praise ye the Lord, blessed is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. Now, if you had asked Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, David, Solomon, if poverty was a blessing, they'd look at you like you had lost your mind. Because nobody in the Old Testament, covenant people with God, believed that poverty was anything other than a terrible, bad curse. And they had the word of God that if you'd obey God with all your heart, mind, and strength, he would bless you. He'd bless your sheep and your goats and your cows, is that right? And your camels and your crops and when you went out and when you came in and your basket and your store. True? Have you read it? Well, when did God change? When did God change and say, yeah, I, I used to like that. <laughs> but now in this New Testament, I'm just fed up with all this money and all this stuff. I don't like it anymore. <laughs> no, who changed? Who changed? People. Not God. But people have invented all this stuff. No, verse 2. His seed, the man, the woman that, that reverences God and obeys him, they'll be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Verse 3, wealth and riches shall be in his house. Boy, this makes the devil mad. Uh, it makes religious people mad, which is why I'm going to read it again real loud. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Wealth and riches shall be in his house. That means he's got a house. He's got a house and he's got stuff. He's got stuff in the house. And it ain't cheap stuff. It's, it's wealth and riches. Mm. 
His righteousness endures forever. Keep going. Uh, Down to verse 9. For time's sake. He has dispersed. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. Now you'll. There are some blatant inconsistencies in what many church folks say and say they believe. People say you should help the poor, but you shouldn't be wealthy. But you should do a lot for the poor, but you shouldn't have much. (laughs) Right? Does that work? Come on, does that work? Does that work? And if it's really God's will, For people to be poor, why should you help them? Huh? Help them get out of the will of God. See, this stuff don't even make sense outside of church. (laughs) No. If it's right to help people in need, then it was not God's will for them to be in need. Elsewise, you're getting in the way of the will and plan of God. And if it's God's will for you to help people, it's got to be God's will for you to have something to help them with. Come on, guys. This this ain't rocket science, right? (laughs) He told us things to do. Let Let me mention a couple of these things to you. And you, you'll, have to, you'll have to hear with your heart on this first thing. People said, well, you know, Jesus, Jesus didn't even own a house. And Jesus, uh, you know, he, he said he didn't have a place to lay his head. And, and, and you should be like Jesus. If we lived just like Jesus lived, we will be completely disobedient to do what he told us to do. What? What? You heard me. Jesus never got married. If you live just like him, you won't get married. Jesus never traveled outside of his home area. If you live just like him, you won't either. Come on, are you with me? Jesus was on a short course to the cross. Didn't live past, what, 33 years of age or something. We must distinguish between what Jesus did as our substitute from what he did as our example. Come on, y'all with me or not? He told us to do some other things. Did he or did he not? Let me give you a couple of things. He told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody. That costs money. That takes coin. Is that right? Have you ever left the house going anywhere? You ever took a big trip? You better bring some money with you. Is that right? (laughs) He told us to take care of our families. Didn't he? He said if you, you know, forsake your family, you've denied the faith. Worse than an infidel. He wants you. Is it God's will for you to have more than enough to take care of your babies and your kids and put them through school and good clothes and help them in college? Come on, are y'all with me or not? This is the will of God. It takes money and a fair amount. So this stuff about God wanting you broke and poor, who wants you broke and poor? And here's the thing. The devil never comes as the devil. The scripture says he transforms himself as an angel of light. So he always is trying to get you to be convinced. He brings a message and, and with the light show and he says, it's God. God? And you've got to know enough word and know the Holy Spirit well enough to go, I see you. I see you. Uh-uh. It is written. It is written. God takes pleasure in the prosperity. It is written. Go into all the world and preach. It is written. Take care of your family. Hmm? He told us to honor our ministers. 
He told us to honor our fathers and mothers. He told us to honor widows and orphans. He told us to help the poor. He told us to do good to all men with what? You got to have something. Right? And the more you got, the more you can do. If, if that's your heart, if you're willing. Oh, somebody say, I believe it. Do you? Thank you, Lord. Go with me in the scriptures, please, to John. While you're going over there, just say it out loud. God takes pleasure in my prosperity. He's pleased when I do well. Amen. I perceive, I believe I'm speaking by the Spirit of God now. Our churches and the ministry here, us, we're, we're a family. That God is working something in us in this area. He wants to add to us. Big time. You believe it or not, Ken? Does your spirit bear witness with this? He wants to add to us ability. Ability through money, through equipment, through stuff, through opportunities, through open doors. He wants to advance. He wants to multiply. But in order for that to happen like he wants it to, the limiters have to be removed. You remember Psalm, what is it, Psalm 78, I believe it is? It said that the first covenant people that he brought out of Egypt, they turned and limited the Holy One of Israel. Limited him in their lives. You don't limit him in being him and who he is, but you can limit what he does in your life. And two of the big ones I see here. That I'm believing for revelation. I'm believing we're getting this. And we're going to ride, We're going to break through these things. One of the big limiters is. Not knowing or believing. It is his will. For you to prosper. For you to be blessed. For you to increase. Not knowing it. Or not believing it. Or not receiving it. So we've been camping on this for a while. We're going to be on it some more. I need to say that again. Don't just wait for the second one here I'm about to say. Don't assume you know this. Come on, say it another time. It is, it is God's, will God's will for me to be, me to be abundantly, abundantly supplied. supplied. And of course, this is not just for you. This is not just for yourself. Because it, it's you, you can be lazy spiritually. You can be lazy with your faith. You can be lazy with your vision. You know, I've, I've worked hard and I'm comfortable and I'm retired. I'm, I'm semi-retired. Not from the kingdom, you ain't retired. You're never going to be retired from the king. You're retired when you breathe your last. Till then, you better be on the job with something for the kingdom. <laughs> Believing. It is his will. Number two, we must overcome the love of money and stuff. We're going to begin to touch and get on that today. But these two things limit believers. They limit what God wants to do in the area of finances and provision. Most people do not do well with extra time and extra money. <laughs> Most people. You give them three months off and a million dollars? You won't see them in church next week. Come on y'all with me. Where are they? What are they doing? And God's, you know, there are different ways to get money and things in life. Just because you got a bunch of money and a bunch of stuff doesn't mean you are blessed. It doesn't mean God gave it to you either. 
We don't know how you got there. You can lie. You can steal. There's all kind of ways to get things. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the Lord adding to you. And if he's going to add it to you, it's going to come the right way and the right time. Come on, you are with me? And it's not going to hurt you. He's not going to add something to you that's going to take you away from him. He can't do that. But the limiter is not on his end. If we'd grow up some and not take another 20 years to do it, he could and would add much more to us. Now, uh, in John 12, we see something that we've looked at before. John 12, verse uh, 1. Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he'd raised from the dead. There they made a supper, made him a supper. Martha served. Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Is that something or is that something? A couple of days ago, he was in, his body was in the cemetery. Now he's sitting up here saying, pass the potatoes. <laughs> And Mary, who is so happy to have her brother back alive and in the house, two of her favorite people sitting at the table telling her how good her casserole is. And her heart is just full and she wants to express honor and respect. And the most valuable thing she has is this stone box, kind of like a little thin marble box that was full of precious ointment. It was the kind of thing a grandmother and a mother might pass down to their daughter. It was worth, depending on average day's wage and the economy, probably anywhere from $30,000, $60,000. It's a prized possession. But you've got, you got to watch about saving things till later. Because there will come a time when there is no more later. And when the Lord prompts you to do something, don't miss your opportunity. And she didn't this time. It came to her heart, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless the Lord with this. And so she took it and she broke it and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. She's expressing as much humility, as much gratitude, as much honor as she knows how. And the house was filled with the odor or fragrance of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. And if you read Matthew's account and Mark's account, you know that just, I guess, hours after this, he went to the priest and said, how much will you give me? And I'll turn him over to you. This was hours before he did this, I suppose. Verse 4. Why wasn't this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Have you ever heard that before? Have you ever heard people say, that's ridiculous. They spent all that money on that church building. Do you know how many people that would have fed? And a jet? Oh, forget it. Forget it. Forget it. That's just makes me sick. <laughs> that could have been sold and given to the poor. People say it with such enthusiasm, like they're quoting Jesus. Who are they quoting? Did Jesus say this? Did Jesus agree with this? He corrected them. Can you see how skewed this thing is? That people think they're quoting Jesus and they're quoting a devil-inspired man. Why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? Now notice the next verse. This he said. Why? Not that he cared for the poor. 
So he said it, but he didn't mean it. And he didn't feel that way. If he didn't care about the poor, what did he care about? Because he, if you read the other passages, it said he was indignant. Strong feelings. Indignant. Mad. Upset over this waste. The scripture says it had nothing to do with him caring about the poor. He said it because he was a thief and had the bag, carried the money bag, and bare what was put in it. Other translations bring out he helped himself to what was put in. So if he had been honest, what would he have said? This is complete hypocrisy. And so it is with people that say similar things today. It's hypocrisy. If he'd have been honest, what would he have said? What, what would he have said? He looked at that and he said, no, no, no. I could have had a buyer for that by tomorrow and sold it for 40 grand. I could have pocketed 20 and told y'all I sold it for 20 no, my 20 grand, my 20 grand. Is everybody awake? Here is one of the biggest revelations to get free from deception in this area. Why do people get upset about money? Because they care about money. Y'all with me or not? You don't get upset about something you don't care about. If Judas had really cared about the poor, he wouldn't have been harassing this woman and trying to shame her over her selfless act of trying to show gratitude and honor. At another appropriate time, he would have talked to Jesus about how they could do more for the poor. Come on, can you see that? Instead of judging what somebody else was doing, if you care about people in need, you do something for people who are in need with your own money right now. And if you don't do it, you're a liar and a hypocrite and a judge of other men and women. And the reason you would get so upset is not because you care about people in need, because you care about money money. The love of money is a prevalent thing. It's all over the place. People like to pretend it has no place in them. It has no, it's not an issue in their life, but it's everywhere. <laughs> it's quiet. <laughs> Go with me to Luke, the 16th chapter. Now this, this is one of the biggest things you could get all year, I'm telling you. Why do people get upset about money? Help me out. Why? Because they love money. It cannot be any other way. You don't get upset about something you don't care about. It can't be any other way. Why was Judas so indignant? He talked about the poor, but it was complete hypocrisy. If he cared about the poor, he'd be endeavoring to do something for the poor. And while we're talking about it, it's just religious to talk about the poor and not do anything. The poor is not a generic group. We're talking about people in need. But we need to come back to this. Why are people in need? Folks don't want to talk about that. There are people in the world that are suffering because of the mistakes of their parents and their parents' parents for generations that left God. The only fix to it is a nation coming back to God. Amen. 
Because some of these places, one of their biggest problems is drought. They've had terrible drought for years, no crops. Who can fix that? Man can't fix that. But God could fix that this afternoon. But if you're worshiping false gods and idols and blaspheming God, you have forsaken your source and your help. And sadly, innocence pay the price. Young ones, babies, starve and die. It's awful. It's terrible. And it is a good thing as the Lord enables you and leads you to help people. Help them with food. Help them with water. It's a good thing. There's other people in this country and abroad. If they had an opportunity to get a decent job, they'd jump on it. They'd make a difference. And in, I mean in a few months, they'd have a different life. If they had a good opportunity. There's other folks have had hundreds of opportunities. And they have rejected every one of them. They won't submit to anybody. They refuse to work. And the scripture says if anybody refuses to work, they shouldn't eat. You understand what I'm saying? When you say the poor, you're talking about different reasons. So people many times are just being religious when they're adamant about it. And when they talk about that just, you know, if I had the money they paid for that painting on their wall, I could do so much. You are a liar and a hypocrite. Yes, you are. What do you say that for? What are you doing right now with what you have? Because according to Jesus, that's exactly what you do with another million. Oh, no, if I had a lot, you're lying. People who care about those in need don't judge other folks for what they're doing with their money. They take their money. <laughs> Come on, are you with me? And they do something. James says, fourth chapter, if you're a judge, you are not a doer. Romans, the second chapter says, if you judge somebody, you are guilty of doing the same thing. So when you hear these people saying, you know, oh, these preachers, they just love money. That's all they're after. And I don't doubt that there are preachers that love money. But the person who's mad and says that, what do you know? They love money or they wouldn't even care. Can you see this or not? They love money or they wouldn't even care. Do you see what they, that guy over there paid for that sports car? Do you hear that? $200,000. Why am I saying it that way? Because people do talk that way. And you know why? They are in awe. Of what? What are they in awe of? They're in awe of the amount of money. Which means what? They love Love. Oh, do you know what I could do with $200,000? What I could do, what I could do, what I could do with $200,000. They love money. You, you can be completely obsessed and, and head over heels in love with money and have none. Friends, the love of money is a big issue. And don't act like you've never yielded to any of it. Because the question is, have you ever gotten upset? About, just look straight ahead. Don't do it. Raise your hand or do Have you ever gotten upset about money? Why did you get so upset about money? You don't get upset about things you don't care about. You got upset because you cared about money. Can you be delivered? Can you be completely delivered from the love of money? Come on, raise your hand. Say it out loud. Father God, I want to be completely free from the love of money. Open my eyes. Help me to see it. Help me to put my finger on it. 
and get rid of it and give no place to it anymore in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Do you understand what I said earlier? This is a key to you and I qualifying to handle more. If the Lord put a bunch in your hands tomorrow, is it going to hurt you? Is, is it going to take you away from him? Are you going to know how to handle it? If he says give it all away by the end of the week, will you? Will you do it? Or will you love it so much that you'll love it more than him and won't listen to him? Come on, can you see this? People don't want to talk about these things, but this is a big, big issue. Do you believe the Lord just heard your prayer? Yes. Is he working in you right now? Yes. Are you going to be completely delivered yes. from the love of money? All right. Okay, where are you? Luke 16. I tell you what, before you read that, go to Matthew 6. These actually go together. Let's do it this way. I have something stirring in my spirit. I believe we're making progress. We're going to become completely convinced that God's a good God. He takes pleasure in our prosperity. Right? And we're going to think big, sow big, reap big. Come on, y'all with me? But we're going to be so delivered from the love of it that it ain't going to hurt us. And he can add as much as he wants to, to us and we won't, we won't get squirrely on him. <laughs> we, won't, we won't get snooty on him. We won't get the big head and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> now you're laughing, but there's a lot of folks you put them in a nice car. They change. They ride around like this. You better ride around like this. Oh, thank you, Lord. Come on, y'all with me or not? You, you, better, you better ride around like this. <laughs> There's a lot of folks, you put them in a big house, you step out on the balcony, their new threads, their drink, their ascot. You've arrived, old buddy. You better, you, you better come out like this. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Being so kind to me. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I'll do anything you say with it. I'll do any. You want us to liquidate this thing and put it here in the gospel? You want us to do this and, and give to people in need? We, I am yours to command. Everything under my hand. Anytime, anywhere. I'm yours. People that God can use. <laughs> Matthew 6, are you there? Verse 19. Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. There is no such thing as a truly secure thing in this earth. Whether it's an investment, whether it's, you know, whatever you consider to be wealth, you can lose it. I don't care how secure you think it is, you can lose it. You know, you see sometimes people that are, uh, oh, what's the word? Anyway, they're, they're stockpiling and, and, and hoarding for the last days. But uh, somebody with a bigger gun can come and take that away from you. <laughs> if it really gets bad, <laughs> you better be depending on something else other than your thorough and meticulous preparation. Oh, somebody didn't like that. You better be counting on something else. Because if God don't take care of you. Okay. <laughs> don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Moth and rust doth corrupt. There's only one 100% safe and secure investment that you cannot, will not ever lose. It's the kingdom. Verse 20. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. You know what the crime rate is in heaven? 
Zero. I mean, they got none. None at all. Verse 21. Why? We need to take this more seriously. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is what it's really about. God looks at what? Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. And he knows if you love something more than you love him. He knows if you love something more than you love people. Phyllis talked about that last Sunday. What do we care more about? Money, things, or people? I only heard two answers. We, we know the right answer, but when it comes down to it, and it's a Thursday afternoon, and it's going to cost you money, then you find out what you really believe. Where your treasure is. That's where your heart will be also. Some years ago Phyllis and I changed our vocabulary. Where the word love is concerned. We no longer use the word love. Concerning anything. I don't love cars. I don't love clothes. We don't love houses. We don't love jewelry. We don't love. I don't love pizza. Don't love sports. I can enjoy something, I can appreciate it, but love, I love God, and we love people. The other stuff we don't love, that's too strong a word. Come on, are you with me? I encourage you to do the same thing, change your vocabulary. Say it out loud, I don't love money. I don't love things. I don't love food. I don't love pleasure. I love God, and I love people. All right. Verse 22, the light of the body is the eye. How we see things determines whether there's light in us or whether there's darkness. How we look at things. You can look with hate or you can look with love. You can look with faith or you can look with fear. And how we look at things affects what's in us, whether it's light or darkness. The whole body will be full of light. Verse 23, but if your eye be evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that's in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24, no man can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other. Why? Because they get in each other's way. You're trying to serve this one and, and, and this one wants you to do something and you'll hold to the one and despise the other and specifically says you cannot serve God and mammon. Modern translations say money with a capital M. Why would Jesus bring this up? Because millions and millions are serving money. People make their decisions based on what field they go into because of money. They make their decisions about where they live and where they work solely based on money. They make their purchase decisions and, and their decision with it, whatever's going to put the most money, the most money. If you're led by money, if I'm led by money, we're not led by the Holy Spirit. Come on, say it out loud. Money, money. is not my master. It doesn't lead me. I don't follow money. Now that's a big statement. I said that's a big statement. This needs to apply to every purchase. You don't just buy the cheapest one. You don't just go to work for whoever says they'll pay you the most. If you are, your, your money's your master. It's leading you. Say it another time. Money's not my master. I'm led by the Holy Spirit. Not by money. Not by money. Did you know 
God could make you the richest man or woman in the state without a dollar. You believe it or not? Is anybody listening to me or not? God could make you the richest person in the country without a single dollar. He rained manna out of the sky. Is that right? He brought food uh, through the Raven Express. Is that right? I mean, he can do some stuff. Is that right? He can do so many things that have happened for You've heard us recently. We thought we needed all this money to get this particular thing. We didn't. Got it for half price. Got it for nothing. Money is not my answer. Money is not my solution to everything. Money is not the fulfiller of my dreams. Money is not my master. God is my source. He supplies all my needs. If I need some money, he'll get that to me. But he can do it without money. Sans money. (laughs) The NIV says you cannot serve both God and money. Easy to read says you can't serve God and money at the same time. The Lord is delivering us from every vestige of love of money. Thank you, Lord. Say it out loud. He's delivering me from every bit of love of money. And we're going to get to some things, I believe, eventually that'll, there are some specific exercises that you have to do at the Lord's leading to get completely free. There's no other way. I mean, saying it's good, but there's got to be follow-up too, right? But do you want to qualify? You want to be God's go-to man, God's go-to woman that if he wants to put 10 million in your bank account. Right? And have you distributed it? Yeah, but I I, I could invest this and live off the interest of... You're not listening. (laughs) Money is not the answer to fix all your problems the rest of your life. Money is not the fulfilling of all your dreams. You could have the biggest house in the state. You could have the, the nicest cars and everything and be completely miserable. Miserable. If your relationship with God is not right and your relationship with the people is not right, you got no joy, you got no peace. Come on, you understand? Money can't buy healing. Money can't buy love. It can't buy peace. It can't buy joy. Sure can't get you in heaven. It's a tool. It's a tool we can use, but it's not our master. We don't serve it. We don't follow. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 Now look at Luke 16. Luke 16, I won't take time to read the whole thing because it's the account of what we call the uh, unjust steward. Steward is somebody that manages somebody else's stuff. So he was managing this guy's stuff and apparently did a bad job. And when he told him he's firing him, he called in the creditors and took stuff illegally, immorally, off their bill to incur favor with them because he's about to be out on the street. And... uh, Verse 9, the master said, I say to you, make to yourself friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. Now, I've heard of all kind of ideas about this verse, but Phyllis was talking about this this past Sunday. She's talking about giving, tipping generously, those kind of things. Why? You're not trying to to buy anybody. If you're giving people money with an expectation in return, you're not giving. You're trying to trade. That's not giving. If you ask for anything in return, 
you're not giving. That's not giving. No. We're talking about, though, using money to bless, to affect eternal things. You were there for them when they needed it. You helped them out. You were just generous. You were kind. It got their attention. Next thing you know, they're a little more open to God than they used to be. Come on, are y'all with me? Next thing you know, they actually came to church. Can you see? And in this case, money, as temporary as it was, became an instrument that affected an eternal outcome. Now, this is big. Because in this world, money's big. Verse 10. He that's faithful in that which is least is faithful in much. He that's unjust in least is unjust in much. If you've therefore not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you hadn't been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? And he says it again here. No servant can serve Two masters. Either he'll hate the one, love the other, he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Come and say it out loud three times. You cannot serve God and money. Say it again. You cannot serve God and money. You can't. Doesn't work. You'll do one or the other. You'll turn loose of one. In order to serve the other. You'll you'll get frustrated trying to do both. And then you'll choose. You'll quit trying to serve one. And serve the other. He said. Verse 14. The Pharisees also. Who were were what? Now who's the Pharisees? Who's the Pharisees? They were considered. The most conservative. The most conservative, the most letter of the scripture keeping people. You'd call them scriptorians. They'd quote the scripture for you. And yet they were what? Covetous. Covetous. Remember one of the commandments is thou shalt not covet. Deuteronomy said you shall not desire your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's donkey, your neighbor's ox, or anything that your neighbor's... What's covetous? It means longing for it. What I could do with that money they spent on that. You're coveting their money. What I could do with the money they blew on that car. And people know it's wrong to say, I love that money and I want that money. They know that's wrong, so you know what they'll say? I could do so much to help people. I could, I, if I had that, I could do so. You are a liar and a hypocrite. <laughs> if you really cared about people in need, come on, help me out. You, you would be doing something for people in need with your money. Your money, even if it was $5, with your money right now, you wouldn't be judging somebody else and lusting after their money. Is there a lot of religious junk we need to get for you? We, we need the church. Oh, man. The church needs a real cleanup on this. They were covetous. And they hurt and they derided him. And, and he said to them. <laughs> he didn't lighten it up on He said, you are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knows your hearts. Now, see, this is back to that phrase. Where your treasure is. That's where your heart will be too. I don't want my heart in a Mustang (laughs) or a Camaro or a Cadillac or a house. It's a bad place for your heart because in a few more days it's going to be gone. Is that right? Where's your heart going to be then? I I know I know a in Ramah, some years ago, I heard some Ramah students talking. I was, I was at the cafeteria, and they were talking loud. I wasn't trying to eavesdrop. I just, and, then, and one of them was kind of, he's supposed to have been testifying, but he's just bragging about all the stuff he had. It was irritating some of the other guys because 
you know, the thing was his parents were wealthy and they had given him a bunch of stuff. And that don't mean you had faith. That doesn't mean, you know, how did you get it? And, and finally one of them looked at him and said, well, okay, so what? Your pile of ashes will be bigger than mine. Because <laughs> it is all going to burn. Is that right? It's all going to melt with fervent heat. And no matter how much you accumulated while you were here, you're taking nothing with you. Like one fellow said, you never saw a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Never. No need. <laughs> he said, uh, God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. Now, now get this, guys, and, and I'm closing for now. These Pharisees, they are men with doctorates in theology. They are the leaders of the synagogue. They are, we call them the leaders of the church. If you ask them, do you love money, what would they say? Oh, no, no, no. But did they? They loved money. Remember what we started talking about in the beginning? If you knew you were deceived, you would no longer be. Right? We prayed a prayer. How many believe the Lord heard that prayer? Is he going to help us today and tomorrow? He's going to help put a finger on it. And when he does, I didn't say if, when. When and as he does, do not be a poor student. Humble yourself and acknowledge it and just stop. And go, that's covetousness. That's me longing for something that somebody else is. That's, that's loving money and things. I repent for that. I, I detest that. I am not going to be like that. I am not going to have that. Come on, are y'all with me? There's no such thing as a person who doesn't need to do this. Don't sit there and think, yeah, man, I, I arrived years ago. I got this. No, no, no. It won years ago. And you quit trying. No. How many want to qualify for the Lord to use you, to add a whole lot more to you? And for you to be, you, how many want to be involved in some significant kingdom projects? In some significant things. Helping people in need. Significant things. Getting the gospel out. Because in just a few days, we're going to be out of here. Is that right? How many want to make a mark while you're here? Come on. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And don't you think, well, yeah, but I come from humble beginnings and I don't have much education. God will use anybody that will present themselves to him. He don't need people with money. He knows how to get the money to you. <laughs> he don't need people with big education. He needs somebody that will listen to him and do what he tells them. To. He needs somebody that loves him so much that no matter what he gives them, they still love him more. And they'll do exactly what he says to do. Come on, anybody like that? That's what he's short on in the earth. Stand on your feet, please, and lift your hand. Let's make ourselves available to him. Lift up your hands and say, Lord, I, I present myself to you. I, I make myself available to you. Lord, help us to redeem our time and the opportunities. We know the time is short. We know there's much to be done. So much needs to be done. You need people you can count on. People that don't have dollar signs in their eyes. People who are not covetous. Who won't be misled by longing and desire for things and money. That's my desire. Hallelujah. Said out loud, Father, work in me. To will and to do. Of all your good pleasure. Make me perfect. And complete. In every good thing. To do that which is well pleasing. In your eyes. Thank you. For making me. A fit. Meet vessel for your purposes. Hallelujah. Here am I. Use me. 
This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.